Welcome, friends, to Workplace Injury Prevention Up Fit for Work podcast, where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. I am your host, Curtis Kopotic, and I am joined by my co-host, Amber Brown. Hey, Curtis. Glad to be back. Today, we interviewed a couple of fellow podcasters. We've got the host and co-host of Probability Matters, another workplace injury podcast out there. We've got Mwangi Danga and published author and podcast co-host Kyle Krieger. Both of these individuals have spent their years bringing about greater information on how technology is really should be integrated into injury prevention plans. And here's the thing, Amber, there's people who go to work and then there's people who whose work is their passion. And those are the people you want around. And you can tell in both of their voice, both Kyle and Mwangi, that they have a passion and a love for helping people. And their kind of avenue is how technology can allow that to happen. They don't just do that in their everyday life, but as I mentioned, also in that podcast, which is a labor of love for them, which we talk about a little bit at the end of the interview as well. So I hope you guys enjoy our conversation with Mwangi and Kyle. We're excited to have Mwangi and Kyle on, and both of them have a great expertise in, especially that they're able to use their love of technology and safety. And so we're going to start off by getting an introduction from both of you. Uh, we're going to start with Mwangi. Just tell us a little bit about your background, and we'll, we'll just start with that. What is your expertise? I don't know if it's an expertise, Curtis. Uh, it's my job. Um, I'm an industrial hygienist. So it's interesting to be able to be talking with Curtis, you and Amber and uh, and Kyle, I'm interested in seeing what we're going to be chatting about. If you don't know, industrial hygiene is concerned with exposures. And um, here we're talking about toxic and hazardous substances or so things like asbestos or some stuff like welding fume. Basically, I, I call it anything that you smell that may harm you, anything that causes disease is what industrial hygienists are interested in, uh, especially in the workplace. So it's kind of making sure that the workplace is sanitized enough for humans to be there that they don't get any adverse effects. Exactly. In a sense, yeah, the word hygiene, and we may get into this, many of my colleagues don't like it. I'm not a fan of the word industrial hygiene because the words rather, because they don't, they don't really speak to what we do. I remember when I first told people I'm majoring in industrial hygiene, they're like, so you go to industrial sites to clean people's teeth. Like, <laughs> I'm like, sort of. It's always fun to have that type of job where it needs additional explanation. So yeah, we will dive more into that. And then Kyle, tell us more about yours, please. Yeah. So my career has largely been on the manufacturer side, primarily working with uh, industrial hygienists such as Mwangi or safety managers to make them more aware of their environments uh, via gas detection instrumentation. So that's been my background. Grew up with, uh, with my family in the safety distribution industry. So take your kid to work day was playing with nitro gloves and respirators. So that probably explains a lot. That's awesome. I mean, that that is a child's dream. Anytime you can put gloves on, they're happy, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're going to start, uh, Kyle, how did you get involved with, did you feel like you went into something because of technology or how is your love of technology and safety? Where did that come from? I think a lot of it stemmed from an internship opportunity that I had uh, working in safety distribution and just seeing something that wasn't a glove or an earplug was really exciting to me. 
and looking at something and wait a minute, some, a device like this can see something that other people can't. I remember somebody had like a marker and they blew on it. And then this monitor picked it up all the way across the room. I was like, this is amazing. And so I really liked it just from a, just a natural nerd inclination. But then as I, as I went through and understood the impact that it made on people's lives, that's really when I got hooked and it became uh, my mission to continue on this quest to drive technology forward, drive the conversations forward, and then in and of itself helping people out. And it, uh, it really is cool and amazing how technology can be that thing that sucks you into a whole new realm. Like, so tech, technology is the gateway to so many different fields. And then uh, how about for you, Morongi? How early did you have to use technology and how is it involved with industrial hygiene? You, you have no choice but to interact with technology, especially if you're looking at exposure science. And industrial hygienists will use instruments that Kyle has described and that Kyle has used and sold it over many years to go and measure that thing that you can't see. And as you measure you will extract data. And so it goes with a discipline, technology. And I would say there should be some comfortable, most IH, all IHs should be comfortable with technology. But for me, the word technology has changed a little bit in the past two or so years because my interest is not... is not just the device, but what Kyle and I have worked together on in talking about is where we're moving with this idea of Industry 4.0, where things like big data and machine learning fit into what we traditionally used to do, what traditionally Kyle described, where somebody would go with a device and aim it somewhere and they give you a number. I think now the question becomes, now there are thousands of those devices deployed. Now what? Right? And the information you're getting is not just from those devices, but you're also getting weather data and you're getting people's uh, working patterns and all this kind of stuff. And then you have to ultimately, at the end of the day, which is I think all of us do on this show, is manage risk in a sense. So for me, technology has the way I think about it today, at least when I wake up, is okay, how is this thing going to help me manage a risk? And I'm definitely attracted to where the world is going and where the workplace is going relative to big data and technology. So, Mulgi, kind of along those same lines and with that technology, how do you extrapolate that information? How do you bring it and make it relevant for those people in the workplace? You start traditionally. So you may start and say, okay, what's my role at this organization? So I'll pick on both of you, right? So you guys go out, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. You you assist clients with, ergon- you, you provide ergonomic solutions. You, you sit down with them, you look at what they need, and you prescribe something and you help them through the program. And Throughout that, you collect data, correct? Yes, yeah. Correct. So we have a yep. we have an online system we use to collect data. Yep. Yeah, you collect that data, and sometimes that data is qualitative in nature. Sometimes it's quantitative, right? Sometimes you do measure something, but sometimes it's a testimony or something. Yes, 100%. exactly. Exactly. So yeah, that you know, it's very similar. So it's all those kinds of pieces of data, and then you know, as you you or I or Kyle think about, okay, what is this piece of data telling me versus this other thing? Like, for example, if somebody gives you an uh, hazard observation that's written in words. That's not a number. So, okay, how do you process that and how do you mix it? So for me, this technology and extraction used to be, yes, again, I have the sensor and I point it and it tells me there's this noise level. Now we're in an age where, okay, there's this noise level, but also there are vibrational issues. And okay, I, I can also tie into the operations preventative maintenance database and see that, okay, this thing is going to be due for maintenance in a month. So maybe I need to come back after a month and take noise levels against. I guess what I'm saying, Amber, is traditionally it used to be I come and I measure noise and I have noise data. And I think where we should be going is 
looking beyond our expertise and trying to massage or uh, wrestle with data points that we're not used to. And because of that, Kyle and I are big advocates in having people outside of your discipline in helping you manage your own risk because they can interpret those data points or help you understand them a lot better. Exactly. And then and I was hoping you would come around to collaboration. And Kyle, what brought the two of you guys together to collaborate? We'll get into what you guys kind of work on in a little bit. But how did you guys as an industrial hygienist and somebody that works in detection meet up and start working together? Yeah, I mean, it just happened through the normal interaction that would normally happen, you know, working on solving a problem. And when I met Wong, I was like, this this dude's different. <laughs> He's asking interesting questions and he he gets it. I, we often joke that I call Mwangi the Oracle just for his ability to have vision into what the future and, and what the field's like. So really where we met and where we intersected was normally where people would intersect a talk about, hey, here's a solution, here's my problem, except we didn't we didn't stop there. We just kept figuring out why it was that we just you know, kept having lunch and kept having these conversations. It's always great when those type of things happen organically and you're able to see each other's strengths and how they can help each other. And so one thing I really do, I think is awesome. And the reason we, one of the reasons we had you on our podcast is you are our fellow podcasters as well with that specific topic of workplace safety, but more from the technology aspect and how it affects people in the workplace. While listening to your episodes, uh, I've really gotten the sense that you both seem to be passionate about, and Wonga, you brought this up, looking outside your own discipline. You don't have to be an expert in everything. And being able to find, have enough expertise to basically look to others and how those always come back to helping people. Would you say that's always been kind of your mission or your, you know, or the purpose of this podcast that you guys do together? Yeah, I would say I don't, I don't even I wouldn't even say necessarily Curtis it was a purpose but it was definitely an outcome right as we as Kyle and I talked and we talked to more people it, it just kept that idea kept being reinforced. And so you see, we've had broad spectrum of conversations with data scientists, obviously some industrial hygienists. What else, Kyle? We've talked to folks in artificial intelligence, right? We've talked to hackers. Hackers. We've, and the thing is, and we're not just saying that because, oh, this is cool. Let's just talk to this person. You'll notice that even if that person is does not have a direct tie to environment, health, and safety, we learn something from them. But what we've also found is, let's take a data scientist, for example, They've shown us like, hey, we are people who know technology. We're people who understand things like statistics. And we have these things and we're able to solve problems, whether it's financial data, maybe it's risk analysis, all kinds of stuff. We can help give you tools, not necessarily to replace you, but allow you to make decisions maybe in a different way than you thought you had done in the past. And maybe, again, help you wrestle a lot of information sort of at once. Or what I like is kick out all the noise and, and give you what's relevant. What about you, Kyle? What do you think about that? Yeah, I'd, I'd echo that from Mwangi. I think it's really easy to be very insular and think, oh, nobody knows my industry. It's this thing called industrial hygiene and nobody would know it. And what could I learn um, from whatever? And the the more we reach out into this vast universe of humanity and knowledge, the more connections we're able to make and make connections with other people. And it's just astounding while we want to respect the nuance and the uniqueness of this industry, we also want to celebrate and, and highlight some of the other trends that are helping solve world problems. 
that can solve, in our opinion, and I'm sure your opinion as well, some of the most important problems, which is making sure nobody dies and making sure people are healthier and that workplace isn't the reason why somebody would not come home. You know, and that brings up a perfect point for one of your podcasts you guys did with a data scientist, and and they kind of spoke to a death that had occurred. In that talking with that data scientist, you guys kind of talked about the role of AI and what's the role of AI in the future as far as workplace injury and exposure mitigation. What have you guys learned over your interviews in the last year in respect to that, Mwangi? Oh, wow. Good question. So we've learned that those tools are here right? It's not a distant future. What we've learned from some of our guests and some of our peers is that stuff is here. And I think you don't recognize it. You know, whenever you call a company and they say, hey, this call may be recorded for training purposes, they're probably using natural language processing and AI after your call to mine data. And you open Google Maps, that kind of thing. So for me, I think it's, it's a revelation that one, it was here. Two, I use it every day. I don't even realize it. And so my excitement is, can we get environmental health and safety to that point where somebody's using these tools without even knowing it, and it's also enhancing their lives at the same time? That's what I hope. We, instead of just saying, hey, here's a vest you got to wear because you know, here's steel toe boots or whatever. My vision is there's such a good integration that somebody's able to take advantage of these tools, right? Just like I take advantage of fraud detection from my credit card company, or when I type in the Google search bar, it somehow knows what I want to say, what question I want to ask. That's my vision. I know we can get there, but it takes steps and it takes conversations like this. And I hope you don't mind, Amber and Curtis. I'd like to switch it up and ask you guys, have you seen AI in your professions or anything you've seen, or have you heard about anything coming coming that way? I know for us, Fit for Work has actually started using a the AI business with a part of our system called Fit for Work Predicts, basically where it's we put in the you know, employee information in and it will let us know at some future time, hey, check on this person. It's been so-and-so months because of your last report, you should check on the same. So I, we, I've seen that and it's really, really cool to see. And I thought it was such a new thing. I thought we were the only ones doing it. So it was very mind opening to me to see that this type of technology is out there, but it's, it's kind of that integration and being able to, how do you integrate this with other specialties is where I'm most excited for. Did you have any other examples, Amber? Yeah. And actually, I was going to spin it and put it onto Kyle too. What I was thinking while Moaki was talking was along with the Fit for Work predicts, we have interviewed someone about wearable technology. And so just all of these technologies and kind of what the bottom line that we've come around to is they're all great and wonderful. But bottom line is, is there has to be some kind of human interaction that goes along with that to actually make a difference. And Kyle, my question to you is going to be, have you seen that happen or, or where do you see that going along as far as integrating that technology, that AI information with the workplace employees? Yeah, we had a good conversation with a guy by the name of Ted Smith, CEO of a company called Corvex Safety. And that was really surrounding the relationships. And this is something that I've written about and, uh, and had a couple articles published in industry magazines about. And that is when people think that they want to get this data, they don't often think about the inconvenience or the what's in it for the user type of situation. And I think we all deal with this in some aspects where we're told to use a system. And you can clearly tell that by design, nobody has thought what that user experience is. 
And so, you know, when we're talking about AI and wearables and whatnot, what often is very interesting to me is because the device exists, doesn't make the reality that you want to have happen, happen. (laughs) And just because you want data, when you have all of the data, you recognize you need to get better at asking questions than figuring out answers. Um, Because the more inquisitive you are, the better questions you're going to form and the better answers you're going to have. And so I think these are some things that we like to highlight with probability matters so much because so many people get that wrong. They go, well, here, here you go. Here's your gas detector. You're immediately safer. And they don't recognize like, well, maybe they don't like that gas detector. What impact does that have on their life? Or maybe they don't like wearing something and then they don't know about it. You know, for example, you know, we all wear pedometers. Could you imagine if somebody was like, wear this pedometer, it won't tell you how many steps you do at all, but you have to wear the pedometer. People are like, no, I don't want to wear the pedometer now because did I get enough steps? Did I not get enough steps? There's no feedback loop to me to enhance and reinforce why I'm using this piece of technology. I really like that perspective is that technology is only as good as the as that human interaction encouragement of its usefulness because if whoever's using it doesn't feel that response, like you said, there's just because it's there doesn't mean they want to use it and they're less likely to use it properly unless it somehow engages them so they can feel, yes, I'm gaining benefit from this. And they ultimately should. If you're asking somebody to put something on their person or input data in, there's got to be in something for them. And and that is just one thing that I think people massively overlook. And I think it's something that as we progress, it is going to be a major hindrance. And you're going to see a clear line of demarcation, those who get it right and think about the users when they engage and those who don't. Protecting your employees has always been a top priority, but you need an expert in workplace safety now more than ever. Fit for Work is equipped to safely visit your site and provide simple, affordable, and immediate COVID-19 support. The provider will work with your team to create and implement and monitor a systematic approach for your specific workforce to ensure your employees are safe throughout this pandemic. We offer a wider range of services to help you protect your employees during these uncertain times. Head to our website, wellworkforce.com, and click on Connect With Us to learn more. Now, Mwangi, how have you seen, as a industrial hygienist, how do you engage with employees yourself and help them see the value of technology? Good question. As an IH, I have no choice but to interact with, I'm not saying in a bad way, right? You, your interest is, is in the exposure of those workers. So you actually have to hang out with them. You have to see what they're doing. So if somebody's welding, you're there with, and they're right next to them because you're often putting a sampler to measure whatever is going on in their workplace. So I've hung out with a lot of workers. And so to your question, as far as technology, how do you get them on board? Sorry, we keep repeating this, but college said, you know, you got to make it work to them. So I keep coming back to my example on my phone. If I'm going to get these apps on my phone, at the end of the day, I feel like they benefit me, right? So why would I download my app for my bank rather than logging on on my computer? Well, if I have an app, it benefits me because I can get information right away or I can take a picture of the check that I want to deposit. There's something for me. And of course, for the bank as well, there's a benefit. And so in speaking about technology to these workers, it's something similar. There's got to be, there's got to be something that they gain from it. If I come to you, Curtis, and I say, Curtis, we're this bulky thing and I'm going to collect this awesome data and it's going to help me as the industrial hygienist. It's going to make my job easier and then I'll give it to the VP of EHS. 
it's going to be awesome. And all I'm doing is giving you a burden. I'm not going to say it's not going to work because you may force that person, but that's not valuable. But if I said, Curtis, here's this device and this thing is going to give you this information to tell you this. So you can be in charge of your workplace. And you know, maybe if, if it's within a certain time frame and you fix it, maybe this data is not going to go to this VP of EHS. This is not spying, right? We're not trying to spy on you and it's going to help you and it's going to whatever. I think I've, I've tried to do that with technologies, especially where the workers are apprehensive, right? Because nowadays, when you see these sensors, like the one Kyle was describing, people will ask the question, are you watching me the whole time? What else? Are you recording my audio too? I mean, mm -hmm. you tell me to this, but also, are you doing this other thing too? And so making the worker part of your team in scoping the project can be a big deal, right? Rather than just saying, hey, corporate decided this is what you're going to do. Yeah and, yeah. and I think the thing is, is like this tech can't strip everybody from their basic humanity. The reason that safety tech should exist is to restore and celebrate and continue humanity. That humanity and life is not something that data and numbers can comprehend or understand. And so if everybody understands that the mission and the vision for all this tech is to become human, is to make sure humans exist, then we've got it. But the minute that this is becoming a TPS report, a chart, a bar graph or whatever, you've gone astray. You really have to understand when I put this sensor on this person, it is so that person can continue living for the rest of their lives. It is not to build some grandiose database. It is to make sure that those people or maybe an aggregate, all of those people can make better decisions. And as long as you reinforce that to people, that is the right track. If you're going about putting whiz bang stuff no training on anybody, no feedback loop. You are setting industry 4.0 back further than you can imagine. Kyle, you hit the nail on the head. I love it. That's just such a nice, even bow to put on that and, and that conversation there. So moving into something maybe a little bit lighter, a little bit more fun here. Um, mm -hmm. I want you guys to be able to talk a little bit about your podcast. Your podcast is called Probability Matters. You've already established that you guys are very knowledgeable in your fields and you are doing this on your own free time. We're sitting down here in an evening and, and having this conversation with you guys. Curtis and I, it's pretty well known. We are doing this for our company as much as we love it and love talking about workplace safety. You guys take it to a whole new level. We talked about how you guys met, but how did the idea for the podcast come about? And where'd you guys get started with that? Kyle earlier talked about uh, those lunch conversations we kept having. And once in a while, we'd have a third person come in and we'd have really good conversations. And it was Kyle's idea. And he said, hey, let's try to do a podcast. And Kyle had some podcasting experience. By the way, shout out. Kyle does a podcast with his son called Soda and Son. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. The best father-son podcast out there. I'm telling you, you're going to love it. So our idea was... This is pre-COVID. We said, we're going to do a podcast and it's going to be face-to-face. -face. We're not going to do video. We're not going to do it. It's going to be authentic. Our first two episodes were like that. And then uh, COVID hit. And now, Kyle, I'll let you tell the rest. Yeah. And and then it went from there. So really what, what's Born Alive is you're right. This is absolutely a labor of love. We, we, this is something we do on our spare time, on our free time. And, uh, you know, passion has driven us through like it sort of drives you all through. And, you know, we come across themes with, you know, Mwangi and I often talk about, you know, the rue, what's our, what's our base for where it's at. And I think the prior audio that you've just heard 
um, really demonstrates why we do what we do. And it's become a really fun thing to, to leave breadcrumbs for the industry to know that, you know, maybe if somebody listens to this in five years, were we ahead of the curve? Are we guiding everyone in the right direction? And, you know, we, we, have a, we have a great time with it. We try to augment our guests and their themes and their messages through both audio, but we also usually have a complimentary piece, whether that's a piece of visual art or a short uh, motion graphics piece to help really encapsulate the message of what we're talking about and why you know people should pay attention and listen. The other thing, we try to bring different voices to the conversation because it could be very easy for us to say, hey, let's just go out and get talk to the CEO of this and the CEO of this and the CEO of that. And what we've seen is, I mean, sometimes the CEO is not the most important person in an organization. Sometimes they're not the most influential when we're talking about things like, you know, lifting, right, or ergonomics or something like that. And so what you'll see is some of our favorite conversations on the podcast have been, we've had one with students. We've had some with people who were, you know, front kind of operators turned safety folks, right? So I'm not saying that's the only way to go, but I, but I would say that we are passionate about finding the people who can actually still, who can make that change or who do make the change and are not recognized. To Kyle's point on the rue. It's, it's, it's a good roux, right? We, we let it cook and then we add the right stuff afterwards to make sure that it's a really good dish. And the way we've described, the way we tell our guests is it's a conversation that you would have after, after you went to a conference or after you went to a big meeting. And then you get to really talk about how things are going or how it really works, right? You know, sometimes you go to a, to a talk and somebody says, these are the five steps of achieving greatness. And then you go to the bar with that guy and he's like, well, there's like a step 1.5. <laughs> and if you don't get 1.5, you're not getting anything, right? And that kind of conversation right. is yeah. what we, we love to have and, and, and invite. I really think you guys do a great job from one podcaster to another. I appreciate the, the quality and time and effort that is apparent. And so definitely encourage people to check out their podcast as well, just to expand the horizons, because I really think that is important. We really want to thank you, Mwangi and Kyle, for your time and letting us dive into your worlds and how that world is, is helping people and making a difference in others lives so thank you so much for your time thanks for having us and thank you guys for what you do i love passionate people you know it's so much easier to work with people that have that true love of what they do and i'm really grateful for wongi and kyle and just that passion that they bring to injury prevention i like that they are very different disciplines than us even though they have different degrees and different certifications and trainings, the overall mission is the exact same. And it's really important to, you know, as we mentioned in other podcasts, looking outside, you know, trying to get a team together of different perspectives makes any project better, not worse. That's exactly it, Curtis, as far as everybody from from different disciplines, and we all come together with the same mission and the same goal. And I think that Kyle summed that up so well in saying that it doesn't matter who we are, where we are, if we are in the injury prevention world, as far as workplace safety in any realm, even a, you know, a data scientist or somebody sitting behind the computer or you and I, Curtis, how we go out on the floor with everybody. Our main goal at the end of it all is that those employees go home at the end of their shift safe and sound and to their families that they work so hard to provide for. Definitely. And I really think that we we need to always take, you know, remember that message with when it comes to safety. Check out their podcast, Probability Matters. They do a really good job. I always look for and encourage people to, you know, to expand the horizons and 
listening to those podcasts are great, especially when they put so much time and effort to making it sound quality. So it's an easy listening experience. So uh, we want to thank you for listening to this episode of Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast, where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. Please like and subscribe wherever you listen and uh, get started preventing injuries. Please visit our website, wellworkforce.com, or email us with any questions or comments to podcast at wellworkforce.com. And remember, prevention improves lives.